Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hello, everybody. I'm Tom A., and I'm a grateful, ah, recovering, compulsive overeater. Hi, family. I'm so glad to be here. And um, uh, I say hello, family, in case some of you don't know, because you're my new functional family. And because I've learned in Overeaters Anonymous how to, how to forge and form relationships uh, that are just beyond my wildest dreams. I mean, relationships that I never really had in my family of origin. Really glad to be here um, this November. Um, when I, whenever I share in a meeting, whatever fellow, I'm in other fellowships uh, as well. I'm also a recovering alcoholic. Whenever I sh- share or speak in a meeting, I like to read a little piece of literature so that um, so you can get something out of my share. If you don't hear something from my lips that you can relate to, um, this is November 28th from For Today, my favorite reader of all time. And this is hope is the risk that must be run. And it says, have I tried and failed? Try again. The big book says, if you have decided you want what we have and are willing to go to any length to get it, then you are ready to take certain steps. Going to any length means taking 12 specific steps one day at a time and never being finished. In the process, sanity will be restored and abstinence will become a reality. Hope and willingness are the springboards to recovery. The hope of being healed of my illness is a risk I'm willing to run today and every day for today. I have hope or I wouldn't be an OA. Do I have the willingness to take that leap into the steps into abstinence? Oh, I really love that. Um, yeah, today I do have that willingness. And today I do have a lot of hope. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hope for me is is so much about experience um, in program. It's so much about one day at a time, um, you know, seeing the results. Uh, for me, really, in the form of serenity. And that gives me so much hope. For the next day, one day at a time. And um, so this meeting, I've shared before, I think, is the very first meeting I ever stepped into uh, in Overeaters Anonymous in 1987. Uh, and it was not located where it's located now. Um, we used to meet at uh, Altabates. And I know it's the same meeting because it's the same newcomer time and the same, you know. Anyway, and I remember walking into it, 1987. And I was really, really fat. And I remember uh, that I sat there with my sister, who was really, really fat also. And I didn't know anything, of course. And uh, I heard the word God. And that was my excuse to leave that meeting at the end and never come back. And what I've discovered about my addiction to food and to other things is that uh, my my isms 
my addiction tells me, look for a way out of working these steps, of keep coming back. Look for something that doesn't work for you, you know, and um, as an excuse to get back to the food. And it's not how I feel today. I can tell you right now, I don't feel like a compulsive overeater, but it's what my brain does to me. And so how it was, was that uh, I, you know, I ate food basically like a lot of us. Uh, I started when I was eight years old. I was, I'm an abuse survivor and sexual abuse survivor also. And there were a lot of reasons for me to medicate myself when I was a kid. Um, and that just morphed into, uh, over the years, me growing up of relying on food to take care of me and to change how I feel and especially to change how I feel in my body because I could not be in my body. Um, I just couldn't do it. And, you know, I talk about how, you know, I use food as a lover, as a confidant, as a safe haven, um, even as an adventure, you know, I mean, I took all these cooking classes and I thought, wow, if I eat really fine food, it's okay to eat as much as I want. And, um, and finally, you know, food was my God. I mean, I'm not a religious person at all, but I use the word God sometimes and, and food was my God. It's that simple. And, you know, when I came in, when I finally came into OA and stayed, at first, I was absolutely desperate. And, you know, I was really in that place of pitiful, incomprehensible demoralization that the big book talks about, where I'd lost everything. I'd lost my home, I'd lost my lover, I'd lost my job, and I was about ready to get kicked out of school. Um, and I also was estranged from my family because all that was important to me was to get my fix. And I got to tell you that I didn't certainly didn't know any of that back then, but in doing the steps over and over again, I've discovered so much about how I used food to survive. Um, so I was in OA and I lost my first, I think, 170 pounds in the first year and a half. And it was really a diet club for me. Um, I did like the first three steps uh, over and over again. And I had a sponsor, kind of a loose sponsor, you know, uh, no big deal. Let's not really do anything. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's very clear to me that I have a disease of compulsive overeating. This is really a disease. And, um, and I got to treat this disease today, you know, but you know, what happened was I thought I was fixed and I was thin and I could wear all these fabulous clothes and I looked hot and, you know, and I did, you know, I finally could see that, oh, I, that's why people are checking me out, you know, because <laughs> I never thought that before at all. thought it was ugly, you know, and there's still a part of me that, that thinks that in this uh, crazy brain. Um, so anyway, so I, I got a relationship. I started getting the goodies. And the thing about it, though, was that the food was still on my back. It was just waiting. And it was all about the relationship. And I remember there was so much agony in each meal that I had because I just had to hold on to my thinness 
And I didn't, even though I told this guy I was a compulsive, you're letting me anything to him. I just had to hold on to this. So everything, I was always thinking about the food. And I relapsed. And so the 1990s were a series of relapses and coming back in the program and rediscovering this place and where I belong. Gaining weight, losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight. And, you know, what I know today is that, you know, I used food as long as I needed to use food. Just like I drank alcohol as long as I needed to drink alcohol. And that's the compassion I have for myself today. And I mean true love and compassion for myself. And, uh, you know, that's not something I came to Overeaters Anonymous to find because I don't even know what that was about. But I've learned to really love myself. And that means I treat myself with love. And I speak to myself in loving terms. Um, so after all these relapses, what I will say is the last relapse I had, which was the end of that relapse was going on 23 years ago. Uh, it was the disease just progresses. It was the worst relapse I'd ever had. And I found myself, I worked night shift as a nurse and I found myself going to bakeries and stores. I was just absolutely insane. I had so many feelings and emotions I didn't know what to do with. I was insane. And I would just get these big bags and cartons full of things. And I couldn't stop binging. That's a big part of my story is I'm a sensory person and I binge, binge, binge. And my binge was violent toward the end. It was violence toward myself. Um, and then I had to go and throw up. And then I would come back and I'd binge, binge, binge and throw up until I passed out. And then I'd wake up, try to get myself together so I could go to work again. And I was so messed up, you know, it was horrible. And that's part of my story, bulimia also, and restricting and dieting, trying to get the right food, you know. Anyway, so when I came back, uh, everything was different. Um, I was so desperate. I found a sponsor, and this sponsor turned out to be the most amazing person I've ever known. Um, he reminded me of my father, but I didn't know that at the time. Uh, he was white. He was had the gray, the white hair. He was a professor emeritus at Berkeley, so he's very much like my father. But he was somebody who could show compassion, love, and support. Ten minutes. Thank you. He was different, and I was willing to go to any lengths to get better. I was just desperate enough for that. So I went to any lengths, and I kept working the steps and working the steps and working the steps and getting in touch with the incest and all the embodiment of all the old stuff, and I started healing. And over the years, I healed more and more and more and more and more. So I want to uh, – I. Uh, this man I love very much, he is dead now. And that's a whole other story, a big part of my recovery. Uh, he died when I was 10 years. And so what I wanna share about is what's going on now. And I wanna share that um, in 2015, uh, I have a lot of health problems that are mostly musculoskeletal and I've degenerative disc disease in 2015. Um, I was forced to get 
another laminectomy on my spine, this time cervical, and there was uh, damage to my spinal cord. But anyway, what I didn't know is I'd lost a lot of muscle. And I was kind of a little bit of a bodybuilder. And what happened was in abstinence, in OA, I started gaining weight. I was also older, but I started gaining weight. And I thought, oh, well, and then I kept gaining weight slowly. I stuck to my meal plan. I kept gaining weight and I started getting a little crazy there because wait a minute now, come on higher power. I followed the rules now. What's going on here? And so um, it's a big part of who I am today, what happened then. And there were a lot of challenges, a lot of health challenges as a result of all this stuff. Um, I still suffer, suffer the effects of this damage and surgery. And so I see a lot of different kinds of doctors now. I want to talk about the fact that pain is a big part of my, I mean, physical pain is a big part of my story now. And that food can call to me when I'm in pain. So these are abstinent, threatening issues. Pain, all these issues in life. Because here I am, I've learned how to live life without the excess food. And then life is really piling itself on me. And um, so anyway, so I've, you know, I've gained weight and I, um, I've changed my meal plan. I've seen nutritionist. My meal plan changed several times and I've lost quite a bit of the weight, but I thought I'd like to lose another 20 pounds, maybe 25, but you know how we are. <laughs> <laughs> Bless my heart. But anyway, um, but anyway, food to me is nourishing. It's wonderful tasting. And it's also problematic because I can only eat a very small amount of food. And at one point I had um, weight loss surgery. And so I can only eat small amounts of food. So I have to eat several meals a day that are nutritious, small, and have a beginning and an end. Um, but the main thing is it gives me a life. It gives me the life that, I, I mean, I'm grabbing life now. I don't know how much longer I have to live. I'm grabbing life. And I've been able to start doing my art again for the last few years. Uh, I've been sewing masks, you know, really creative. I mean, I'm an artist. And anyway, so I've been able to really get that. And, and from these disabilities, I've really received a lot of gifts. A lot of gifts that are all related to humility. It's really helped me understand other people and to have even a greater empathy for other people in our rooms, especially who are suffering. It's helped me get out of judgments because, you know, we judge. I'll speak for myself. But it's helped me really back off on that. Hey, I don't judge you anymore. And I didn't think I did very much, but. I, I'm about compassion and love today, honey. So, you know, hey, and I'm about solutions. And uh, so the other thing is aging. Um, with aging, I, eat, I have to eat less calories. Um, that's just how it is. I mean, God kind of made this thing up, I guess, that when you're aging, you lose everything. Anyway, but um, so I guess that's a resentment. Anyway. <laughs> I know it is because I got a book full of these anyway. Um, but that's working the steps. So the thing about it though, is through aging, through gaining weight, 
through having these physical disabilities, I have found opportunities that I wouldn't have seen before and opportunities to work with others, to reach out, to be of service because being of service in any way, going to a meeting, being willing to speak, Five minutes. to share, thank you, has all been, I mean, I have this whole resurgence of this energy um, to give back. And, uh, and by doing that, I'm finding a lot of acceptance of myself, um, whatever's going on, you know. I, I'm so past the idea of a body looking a certain way. Oh, please. I mean, I'm in my, I'm almost 65. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm cute enough. But uh, when the lighting's correct, sorry. But I'm cute enough. But, you know, I have a beautiful man in my life I'm married to. And a beautiful home that is never guaranteed for me. One day at a time. I look at it and I go, oh, my God, what a beautiful home. Thank you, higher power. Oh my God, thank you for this. I'm about thank you now. And it's not something I'm inventing. When COVID hit um, and all this stuff started happening, what grounded me was coming to these rooms and all of my 12-step recovery rooms and really, really connecting with you guys because there was no other ground for me. There certainly isn't out there in the world. You know, it's... it's um, so it's really brought into clear focus that fact. And um, so I guess what I'll say is that, you know, I can be abstinent with aging, with loss, so much loss, loss of old ideas, you know, loss of old dreams. And it's okay. That loss is the process. And then that I move on from that particular thing and find gratitude, you know. Wow, it's so sunny and beautiful here today out on this beautiful deck. My husband made this beautiful garden out there. I, I'm really grateful, really deeply grateful. And by the way, I touch my belly a lot. And sometimes I'm like, ooh. And, but most of the time I'm like, ooh, I like that. That's part of me. I didn't come up with that solution, but that happened to me. You know, the spiritual solution keeps washing over me as I keep coming back. I'm not in charge. I'm not in charge of my weight. I'm not in charge of how I age. There's nothing particularly graceful about anything. Just like I can't forgive. That's a gift to be able to forgive. I don't, I got to forgive. I don't know. I can't forgive. That's up to my higher power to make it so I can forgive. And so I'll finish with step 11. Uh, and step 11 is a big deal for me now. And I've got my little altar area uh, where I burn incense. I got all these cute little Buddhas and because I like the imagery. And, and uh, I have an app that guides me with breathing and another app that guides me with meditation and that is cool anything that'll slow me down enough to take a mindful breath helps me get in the moment because all i have right now is this moment this moment and um and that moment this moment right here is pretty joyful um when i'm going through some real hard stuff mostly in here, 
but also physically, it's like, I do know that there's something on the other side. You know, when I was in the food like that, binging, I mean, it's, it's been almost 23 years without sugar, without binging, without purging, um, and without dieting. And imperfect abstinence, what do you know? Um, I'm a human being, you know, and I have a willingness to be abstinent today. And I'm turning over my higher power, you know. I love you guys. Hey, thank you so much for letting me share, you know. If I had two hours, I could tell you the whole story. <laughs> That's my ego. Edging God out. But anyway, <laughs> thank you so much, guys. Bye.